We're focusing on a passage of scripture from Luke's gospel this morning that's traditionally referenced as the lost chapter. Now, that isn't because at some point the chapter went missing, okay? It's, uh, you know, we have uh, 1 Corinthians 13, you think of, it's, it's kind of always called the love chapter, right? Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. Well, Luke 15 is often consi considered the lost chapter uh, because we have three parables and those who crafted the verses in the chapter designations a very long time ago placed all three of these parables under one chapter. Chapter 15, those parables about a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a prodigal son and his brother. Now, our, our lectionary designation for today focuses on the first two. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read the first 10 verses. So if you have your Bibles open, follow along with me. I'll also have the words up here on the screen. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, this him meaning Jesus. Jesus told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, it's, it's only natural that we would spend the bulk of our time this morning talking about that lost sheep and that lost coin. But I think we'd be well served to kind of back it up and look at those opening verses because there's, there's an irony in all of this. I don't know if you've noticed, if you caught that, that the tax collectors, who were the collaborators with the Roman government in collecting revenues from their own people, and sinners, a term that Luke used here to describe religious and social outcasts, tax collectors and sinners, they were the ones searching. They were seeking out Jesus. They were finding him and gathering around him. It's important that we keep that in mind as we proceed. The fact that Jesus would, would not only acknowledge them but also eat with them did not sit well with the Pharisees. Now, uh, let me just uh, you push back on that a little bit because I think sometimes we need to cut them a little bit of, you know, a little slack. The fact that they were repulsed by the welcome of tax collectors and sinners to the table reflected, actually reflected a, a warning that was fairly, you know, firmly rooted in place in the Old Testament about associating with evil people. A warning the Apostle Paul found helpful in dealing with moral issues in the Corinthian church. The point is that the Pharisees stood in kind of in a, in a reasonable and really a long-respected position. But Jesus' behavior was radical. It was disturbing. 
You see, the church that calls him Lord still finds it so if we're really paying attention. If our faith is comfortable and familiar, perhaps it's worth asking just who it is we're following. When the text tells us that Jesus welcomed those undesirables, the word translated could actually mean that Jesus was hosting them and not simply present with them like at someone's dinner. But regardless of who was the host, the issue here was table fellowship which demonstrates how fully Jesus welcomed and accepted sinners. Breaking bread together was the act of full embrace and a critical matter for both Jesus and the early church. But eating then isn't, maybe wasn't what, what, what we might consider eating you know, now. This was not a quick trip through the drive-thru or a stop at Starbucks and conversation over coffee. Eating together in this culture was a sign of camaraderie, of acceptance, of friendship. So Jesus, eating with tax collectors and sinners, demonstrated his deep and abiding acceptance of those that society had just deemed beyond the moral pale, you know, lost causes. To bring that point home even further, in Luke chapter 7, this was a key issue in the rejection of John the Baptist and Jesus and the table practices of the two men. I mean, John, now he ate no bread, drank no wine. That is, in other words, he had no table fellowship with anyone. Jesus, on the other hand, ate and drank seemingly indiscriminately for which he was labeled a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The dinner table was central to that culture. So keep that in mind as we move to the two parables. Now, both parables uh, of the lost sheep and the lost coin, they're identical in structure. The second one kind of serving to reinforce the first. Now, the gospel writer Matthew tells the parable of the sheep but does so in a context of instructions to disciples about responsibility toward fellow disciples, especially new ones who might stumble or go astray. In his case, in Matthew's case, the sheep is not lost, but has simply wandered off and is restored to the fold. In Luke, the sheep is lost. That is, it represents the sinner, such as can be found in Jesus' presence around a table. And let's be clear, I mean, the songwriter might have unintentionally misrepresented this parable when she wrote, and this will be a song that a few of you older than 30 might know, okay, 40, okay, maybe 50, okay. You know, there were 90 and 9 that safely lay in the shelter of the fold. Anybody remember that old song? A few of you do? Okay, one. All right, we'll go with that. See, according to the story as Jesus told it, those 99 were actually put at risk. They were left in the wilderness while the lost one was being sought. That kind of love takes risks in order to find the lost, which would not have been the case if the 99 lay safely sheltered in the fold, you know, kind of tucked in. I suppose this should be obvious, but take note that the sheep and the coin do not repent or return. The precise application of that theme awaits the third parable, the one that is typically called the parable of the prodigal son. 
What is central to these two stories, and that's where we're going to stay, as well as the third, although that is, this is the case as well, is the joy of finding. A joy so abundant that it calls on others to share in it. In fact, they can't imagine such joy without sharing it with others. What we have here is a description of the joy of heaven uh, at the coming of sinners, and, and, and then Jesus uh, calls upon his critics to join him and heaven, celebrating the presence of the tax collectors and the sinners. That joy expressed more fully in that third uh, parable as a party for the prodigal is not only the heart of the gospel, but it is also its offense. Because let's face it, I mean, doesn't forgiveness look a whole lot like condoning when it's viewed from a distance? Hmm. Here's another thought for us this morning. That first parable invites us to envision God as shepherd. And really, that's not that much of a stretch, right? I mean, shepherd imagery is all over the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall lack for nothing. God as shepherd seeking out that lost sheep, even, even to the possible peril of the other 99. It seemed, you know, a bit reckless as the songwriter captures in his modern-day song, Reckless Love. And then, even beyond that reckless aspect, what shepherd, think about this, what shepherd, after he finds that one little sheep, right, hustles the whole flock home and then calls his friends and neighbors to join in the celebration? I mean, really? One sheep? All that work? What about this? How many times, however, have you heard the image of God presented as God with a broom. <laughs> here's, I mean, here, here's a woman who loses a tenth of her wealth, lights her lamp, sweeps all night, searching for the coin. I mean, that part makes sense, I guess. But then when she finds it, she calls her neighbors in and invites them to celebrate, which in that culture would most likely have meant some food and some drink and perhaps even spending a little bit more on the celebration than, the, than what she actually recovered in the search. I mean, these two celebrations, which on the surface at least don't seem to make a whole lot of sense, do give us a fresh picture because, you see, that's exactly the point. These types of over-the-top over celebrations are what characterize God's response to sinners who repent because there is nothing more important in God's sight than the lost being found. No better reason to celebrate, no greater joy. I mean, just take note of the narrative space given to the descriptions of the search process in each of these parables. I mean, you wonder why such value? Well, here's a thought. Misplaced, an item's value is suddenly at stake depending upon the effort to find it. And in both stories, neither the shepherd nor the woman would quit searching until the lost was found. The items being sought were invaluable to the ones searching. 
And the joy over the items restored caused not only an earthly celebration, but a heavenly, heavenly one as well. Even the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents. And remember our context, there's a whole lot of grumbling going on about Jesus' hospitality, that he not only welcomes sinners, but eats with them too. What a waste of time, right? But not to God. He'll search for the one lost sheep. He'll pick up a broom and start sweeping. He will take whatever time is necessary to find the one who is missing, to find his cherished missing. One more observation. There's far less attention in our two parables on what has been lost than on the one who is searching. At their very core, these stories aren't so much about a lost sheep or coin, they're about a shepherd who risks everything, about a woman who sweeps all night. These stories are about a God who will always go looking for God's lost children. And think about how Jesus used just ordinary people, even people on the margins, to represent God. A shepherd who stands at the very bottom of the socioeconomic ladder in first century Palestine. Oh, and then there's a woman with only 10 silver coins to her name. Maybe these two aren't just metaphors, but rather reminders that God often works through ordinary people to do the extraordinary work of helping to find someone. It's hard to miss the fact that we just commemorated the 18th anniversary of perhaps the greatest, hopefully ever, terrorist attack on our nation. Twin Towers, Pentagon, that field in Pennsylvania where so many thousands of lives were lost among the three incidents. A rather ordinary man by the name of Wells Crowther had gone to work like every other day to his job as, a, as an equities trader at the World Trade Center. After the, uh, the second tower was hit, the one he was in, Wells led everybody he could find down the steps to safety, and then he went back for more. After uh, leading uh, more people to safety, he went back again, and again, and again, until the tower collapsed. On that day, this talented, athletic, good-natured, but in so many ways ordinary person did an extraordinary thing giving his life to make sure others could live. On that day, God used Wells Crowther to find people who were lost. Now, we won't, I hope, if ever find ourselves in that kind of circumstance. Yet, God can still use us to find others. Not only can God use us, but God does use us and will, whether we are at home or at work or at school, as we volunteer, God regularly uses us to find others, and then he challenges us to welcome them to the table, to extend radical hospitality, without concern over what others might think. You see, there are more than enough Pharisees to go around. They're not our concern. God with a broom. He never stops sweeping. He never stops searching. The value he places on the lost is reflected in the effort he puts into the search. These two parables tell us so much about his nature. He is relentless 
in his pursuit of the one who is lost, who is hurting, who is confused, who is discouraged or afraid. And, and when the one who is lost is found, God never stops partying. <laughs> All of heaven rejoices. Maybe, maybe you aren't the one with the broom. Maybe you're the lost coin or the lost sheep and it feels like you've been misplaced or forgotten. And you wonder if anyone even cares enough to look for you. Jesus reminds us through these parables that no one is ever forgotten by God. No one is pushed to the margins. And in fact, the margins are actually where God takes up residence. Always searching, always inviting, always welcoming, always rejoicing when the lost are found. I don't know, maybe God has, in, in the course of, of our, our time together this morning, perhaps God has brought to mind someone who seems lost to you. Lost spiritually, maybe, or emotionally, relationally. And you need to pick up the broom. Or maybe it's you. You're lost. You're feeling discouraged. You're fearful. Maybe shame has paralyzed you. Here's what I want us to do for the next few minutes. We're just going to sit here in silence. And I'm, I, just, I truly believe that as many people are, that are in this room, for the most part, just about everybody knows somebody who either feels lost or is lost. And maybe it's yourself. Maybe it's somebody else. But that the Holy Spirit has just put a face or a name in your head, in your heart. And, and, and I'm, as, as that happens and as you just give thought and prayer for that individual, I'm just going to in, invite us to, to pray in specific ways in our seats for someone. Someone that perhaps has just kind of come into sharper focus for you this morning. And again, maybe it's you. Maybe you're looking in the mirror. So let's, let's bow in prayer. Father, this morning, you are at work in our own spirits, fueled by your spirit. You are giving us faces and names. You're giving us stories of a lost coin or a lost sheep. And truth be told, we, we've just left the broom in the corner. <laughs> we've been too tired to go on the search. Or perhaps we just haven't recognized the urgency. But in this day and time, Father, when so many people are struggling We're recognizing the fact that we need to engage more with those who either seem lost or say that they are. Father, we, we need the courage to pick up the broom and sweep and sweep and sweep until the lost is found. So Father, who for each of, of the people 
and their stories that you've placed upon the hearts of everybody in, in this room today. I pray that they will indeed be found by you. Know that this is your very nature to pursue, to love, to welcome at your table. Jesus, give us, give us a courage, give us a discernment on behalf of others. And Lord, I pray for those in our midst right now who are saying, you know, I'm, I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to walk away. I'm done with this. I don't understand uh, what this faith thing is all about when all of this other stuff just keeps happening. Oh, Jesus. Would you come alongside that young man or woman, that older man or woman? Would you just place your embrace around them and use us as your people to join in that embrace? May we be willing participants in your search parties. <laughs> May we be eager to bring your cherished missing home. <laughs> 